Welcome to the Shiny New Object podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton, and this is a podcast about marketing technology, where every week I interview a fascinating person from the world of advertising and marketing to get them to talk about a bit of technology that's really floating their boat. Um, before I introduce you to Justin Cook, I'm going to say a quick thank you to Platform360, who are hosting this podcast. Check those guys out. Uh, but this is the big one. This is the interview that I've been waiting to do for a long time. Uh, my friend and advisor, uh, Justin Cook, he is the vice chair of UNICEF. Could you do our listeners a bit of a favour, Justin, and in a couple of minutes tell them how you've ended up in such a lauded position in the marketing community? Uh, well, I thank you, Tom, for that introduction. Um, I've been in the world of marketing and more specifically digital marketing, I guess, for uh, oh, 21 years, something like that. Um, I started out um, um, working for other people, um, the BBC, um, Universal Music, um, before um, founding my web agency, where I was building websites for people um, and uh, did that for a long time through the dot-com uh, bubble, uh, the global economic crisis, um, grew that um, to be um, a firm straddling several continents. Um, highlights for me along the way were winning big um, global accounts like American Express and and BP, um, and then basically, kind of in 2012, I um, uh, decided that to kind of go faster, um, the the best thing to do would be to kind of join um, and get on a bigger bus. And uh, I sold the business to WPP, and then for three years I stayed there uh, before uh, coming out and uh, joining a tech venture capital firm called North Zone as a venture partner. Um, uh, becoming uh, a, uh, a non-exec director of uh, a large social learning platform called FutureLearn um, and making um, a number of different investments in, in various sort of early stage businesses across the world of marketing and technology. And then uh, last year I got a call from a headhunter and uh, they said, we've got this um, opportunity um, at UNICEF. Uh, would you be interested? And I said, yeah, absolutely. If they're interested in me. I'm interested in them. I was very clear about what I thought my strengths were. And then I went through probably the most formal process I've ever been through in my life. Um, Why was it so formal? Uh, they were being very professional about, you know, the appointment. Um, I, you know, basically had to write a letter and, uh, and then sort of uh, go through several rounds of interviews and then finally had a panel interview with uh, some members of the, the current board and um, and the executive and really enjoyed that conversation. And what does a vice chair do? Um, well, there are kind of several sort of levels, I guess, to it. At kind of the most basic level, you know, there are some sort of um, governance and fiduciary kind of, um, kind of you know, um, compliance style kind of uh, requirements of the role where you, you basically kind of have to make sure that things are being run, you know, according to... Um, the law according to best practice um, and you know not to the detriment of, of UNICEF's purpose um, and that the money they raise is being spent on the right stuff and so on so there's kind of that level and then I guess there's the kind of stuff that sort of you know I really enjoy doing 
uh, which is um, getting more involved in the things where you know I hope to make a difference. And with someone like UNICEF, which is an immensely um, and, and scarily impressive and huge organisation. You know, today they will immunise 8 million children, for example. You know, I am trying that, to... 8 million eight, today? 8 million today. Today? They will, they will, they, every, yeah, every day? Every day, that's how many children are immunised by, by UNICEF. They'll deliver, you know, five or 600,000 tonnes of food today. You know, and so, and so that is colossal. And for me, um, as you know, I'm really interested in this sort of the the exponential kind of um, impact of, 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 of digital and, and marketing. And so uh, being able to kind of apply some of that experience and expertise um, to an organisation like UNICEF and hopefully just move the needle a couple of notches, you know, whether that's efficiency or effectiveness, will have a, a, a big impact. And so, that's the sort of stuff I'm getting involved with in a, in a more specific way. So something that really confuses me about yep. you, I'm like... We're not going to go into too much detail about what we're working on <laughs> okay, at this point in that's time. Fine. But you, you were, um, you, you were chairman of Platform 360. Yes, well. that's right. Um, yeah. And obviously, various interests attached to North Zone. What I can't understand yeah. is is how you manage to balance those different <laughs> skills. So on one hand, you're, you, we, we have a Skype call from Kosovo, yeah. where you're, as you say, moving the needle, delivering yeah. more food, immunising more kids. Um, so how do you how do you balance that? How do you not just go piss off tomorrow and I've got you know I've got lives to save or the world to change? How do you how do you strike that balance between obviously doing something that has such an impact versus something which is fundamentally just marketing technology? Um, I think I think I think you have to believe in everything that you're doing, right? And if you if you don't believe in what you're doing, then you should probably not do it. And so you know without flattering you too much um, on the airwaves. And I, and I believe in what you, you and I are trying to do in marketing technology. And so, you know, when you do call me on, on WhatsApp and I'm in Kosovo, I don't go, oh God, why is he bothering me again? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm basically thinking, okay, you know, we need to talk about moving the needle with Tom. Um, and, you know, equally, I'm very straight with you about when I can and can't yeah. talk. And, you know, you and I have got that that right and you know um i probably you know don't think about the idea of having a day job or this sort of balanced work and and life and, and sort of you know lifestyle because i don't think of it as being work and i think of it as i don't think of what i do as a career i just i do say no to quite a lot of stuff and i, I probably say yes to too many things as well but i i think ultimately i you know I've, i'm choosing the things that i'm doing and i'm hopefully choosing choosing them for a reason and the reason is that when I do get involved in these things I don't feel like I'm being harassed or badgered is that, is <laughs> yes. that a fair answer yes, yes. so yeah. going to the bit about you saying no to stuff like yeah how have you got better in the last five years at saying no to things mm. well I definitely have got better I mean I think when I came out of WPP I think it was like an elastic band kind of like being let go and I kind of just said yes to millions and millions of things like what um, oh literally anything anybody would ask me to do right, I'd say okay, yes to quite then. literally I just okay. the word no didn't exist in my <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I think um, what I've got better at is not necessarily saying no but saying uh, what is it you're trying to achieve what is it what is it you know you're looking to try to do what is you know, how do you think I can help you without that kind of coming across as patronising or flippant, you know, or in an email, you know, kind of read the wrong way. 
And that's kind of what I think I've got better at over the years. It's like trying to get to the nub of what it's really all about and trying to kind of cut through the various layers of, you know, politeness or, um, you know, fluff. Um, and I think, I think I've got better at trying to really um, sit down, talk to people and focus on, you know, what is it this is really about? And that is, you know, in a way... Um, for me of working out whether I can or cannot help somebody or get involved with something. So rather than saying no, I'd say, well, you're trying to do this. I'm really not the right person. I really can't help you in this. But, And then I will always try to kind of help them move on. Um, and I will say, I'm not the right guy. Go and talk to these people. Or maybe you should think about this. Um, and, and then I've left that kind of conversation, meeting, whatever, you know, hopefully I've tried to make it kind of, I've left it in a better place than it was at the beginning. So you have like so. a really <laughs> consultative way of saying probably, no. <laughs> that's probably really cheesy and yeah, no, sorry. Not at, all, uh, not at all, I think. Yeah, I think. I think that's very true to your, okay. your, what I know about your, your personality is that, you know, you'll, you'll intellectualise something to get you out of it. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> um, and I, actually, it reminds me, I heard a really interesting bit of advice on this subject uh, that basically said, you should never say yes to something. Uh, oh, no, sorry, I'll, I'll take that back. Imagine the thing you're saying yes to is tomorrow afternoon mm-hmm. or like next mm-hmm. Tuesday. Because you might go, oh, yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go and yep. speak at that conference. Yeah, of course, I'll go to Amsterdam. Yep. Like, I, I have a bit of a struggle between uh, future Tom and, and present yep. day Tom. Future Tom's got all the time in the world. Future Tom can definitely squeeze it in. And then by the time the, the present rolls round. Yeah. Future Tom's going, thanks, Tom, in the past. Thanks for dumping it on me. I think that's a really nice thing. It's like, I can, would I want to do this this afternoon? But anyway, this isn't this isn't about me. This is about you. Um, so uh, just to sort of random question now. Yeah. Um, what, oh, God, I know what you're going to say this. What is the most useful thing that you've bought with your own money that you haven't used for, quote-unquote, work? That I haven't used for work, or that I have used for work. Uh, you have used for work. That I've used for work. Me. Yeah. So, how like have you bought like a cool watch that you use for work all the time, <sighs> but it wasn't paid for by UNICEF or okay. North Zone? Or okay. Um, well, I mean, I have probably several. If I'm being honest, is that allowed? Yeah, gonna, go for it. So yeah. you said you said watch, right? So I haven't I haven't worn a watch since I had a swatch when I was 13. I think probably by about the age of 16, I stopped wearing a watch, and then the Apple Watch came out. And basically, I had you know kind of no interest in the idea of wearing a watch, you know. And but somehow I ended up buying it. I think on the back of having dinner with somebody who said you should really try it, so I did. And now I don't take it off. Um, so talk to me about this. I'm yeah. I'm really passionate about. Uh, I have strong feelings about the iWatch. I, I, the iWatch. Watch. Tell me why. Tell me why it's great. Okay, there is. I mean, for me, there are so many. There are there are so many things that I now. Um, use it for that um, you know are just part of the way that I live. Come on, list them out. Be so, so the so the very specific things are is I love I love um, Apple Pay, I love being able to pay for stuff with my watch. Right. Okay. okay. I'm gonna pull you up on this. Go on. Not pull you up on it. My experience was I I got an Apple Watch super early. I yeah. was actually me and a couple of friends were developing a, an app. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go into another time. One of my many failures. Um, and I used it for Apple Pay. Yeah. And so I was on the tube at Earl's Court, and I went to yeah. went to beep through. It didn't work, and you're like, okay. Yeah. 
didn't do it again, by which point the queue of six people had oh. queued up behind me and the bloke at the back went, you won't go. And I, yeah. and I thought, how many oh. items of clothing that yeah. a, a man of 40 would wear that get, you literally get called a wanker for? And I thought, nothing this, dropped that watch quicker than public it's true. abuse. It's, you've got to, you've got to, you just got to fail. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to go it. through it. You've got to play, you're totally right. I mean, and I do, I do probably use it to buy basically everything that I buy during the day as well as travel I mean I don't buy anything and I wouldn't buy anything any other way if I had a choice it annoys me that there's a limit you know on how much I can actually spend holidays on a transaction I would I would quite happily you know I you know it's sort of it's always a little treat to you know go into the apple store and know that you you aren't sort of you know limited um, uh, in, in the, you know, but it's just I just from a convenience perspective, not having to faff about with my phone and use my phone to pay or get my wallet out. You know, I'm just you know quick flick of the wrist and I'm on my way. I, I'm I'm going to carry on because you know there are yeah. other things about this watch. That yeah, I yeah, do come like. on, come on, tell um, me. So I love the I love the haptics on it. They oh. really I love the kind of the feeling of the little kind of kind of you get right. Like so, like I got a reminder about this podcast. Just little kind of. You know, right, just okay. brings me back into the room, you know, gets me centered, gets me focused. So that's a really nice little bit of a reminder. You know, it's very subtle. It's not visual. It's a kind of, you know, the idea of kind of hapt, hap, you know, haptic style kind of like, you know, kind of interaction is, is really interesting as yeah. a concept, you know. Um, from a marketing perspective, could, is there is there a way that you could start kind of doing branded haptics? You know, that's kind of interesting to me. And what do you think um, about brands using smartwatches? I think if but it's... Do you use any? Uh, get yeah, yeah, get okay, your apps right, out. Come on, my let's, reading let's, glasses let's have a look. I'm going to try and um, okay, visualise right. what, what we see here. All we've, right, we've so got, obviously I love I how, my, of course, we've gone already. So I have my haptic... Obviously, I have my activity, you know, so I, I have my calorie counts. My insight on cal- calorie count yeah, was... Obviously, you you uh, track your steps across the day, and I'd be in this situation at home where I go, do you know what? I really want a beer. Go yeah. to the fridge and get a beer out. Walk yeah. back to the table, and that was the thing that got you over your target. Yeah, and be like, congratulations on well, being so helpful. You've, 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 you've balanced. Look, yeah. I'm on five two five. I mean, it's a low calorie count, six hundred calories a okay, day. Okay, let's not get let's not get into calories. So let's have a look at your apps. Here. What so what's so, branded so, stuff you got in here? Okay, branded stuff is interesting. So I've got uh, BBC News news alerts. Yeah. Little kind of okay. Okay, yeah. that's you know, pretty pedestrian, but sort of um, that is functional. I've got Uber, which I don't find very functional. Santander um, cycles. You got Santander cycles, which you know I'm a I'm a big big fan of yeah. from a technology point of view. CVS is an American pharmacy. No use of that. Shazam. Shazam is great. Um, yeah. Tap to Shazam. I oh, still... so have you got any brands on there that don't deliver a utility? Ah, uh, you see, I'm you know I'm a utility man. You see. Um, well, I mean, it's fine. Like I guess I'm, I'm, Starbucks, I guess, my, isn't so much a utility. Well, you know, but that's buying coffee. You know, um, I think it's sort of. But I don't use my Starbucks Apple Watch app. I could do. I could pay. I could pay for it. Um, so you know, there's a there's a really for me. I think you know, every brand has the in my view, every brand you know has to ask themselves a question: Can can we should we deliver some form of utility service? Um, and um, so I would sort of, um, you know, if it was well thought through, you know, then, you know, I think, I think things like the, I have, my wife takes the mickey out of me because I, I'm a big fan of EasyJet as well. So I have the EasyJet app on here and I will kind of check in on yeah. my watch, yeah, which is know. kind of cool because I faff about with my, your, my phone, you know, and you get, and sometimes I find it really hard to find my boarding pass on my phone and stuff. 
and I get myself into a bit of a panic. And whereas if I just, you know, I can just do that and just do that. I'm you're in. Right? in. I'm in. You see, so, so before we had this chat, you said that your shiny oh, new bit of object yeah. was partnerships. Oh, not, God, I'm really it's sorry. Not I'm your shiny new object is shiny the, objects. Uh, it's, oh. it's, it's, no, I didn't oh. at all. This, okay. is, this is the, the unscripted nature okay. of this podcast, okay. is that we found your... Oh, we have. We this, your shiny, okay. We're going to stay on this. We're going to stay on it. Okay, we're gonna, that's We're cool. going to jump that's around good. a bit. Yeah. So just a bit of a story. The one thing that I... One of the many ideas that I was excited about while I was the innovation director at We Are Social was um, we had this idea to make a, uh, a social listening app. Right. So if, you, so if your social sentiment score tumbled drastically, you'd get an alert and you'd like flash bright red and it'd be like the hashtag, I don't know, whatever sweatshop or whatever brand it was. Um, but if it was really positive, like, you know, one of your, uh, you know, one of your like uh, influencers or whatever yeah. and, uh, so it would be an early warning system for the yeah. for the panicky brand manager did it get made they didn't but it's interesting I mean, you, I mean you know this running an agency there's a every sort of new shiny object yeah shiny new object gets its season yeah some la- some last more than others but the the smartwatch season was very very brief I mean like uh, voice tech is kind of running and running chatbots yes. but um, did you did, you would have just missed doing smart watch apps we did yeah we did one for national rail inquiries for national rail um that was one we did that was the last one wow you um, built that yeah 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 blimey did that work yeah it did it was perfect yeah it was it was the 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 national rail can't you know i love love loved what we did with them but the sad thing is they've not really invested since so, you know, without sort of uh, going into too much detail, you know, I, the, the, site, the site is the site that we built for them. The app that, that, that is still on the App Store is the app we built for them. And, you know, that's, you know, we're talking five, six, seven, eight years ago. And it was brilliant, you know, for its time, but it hasn't moved on. And obviously the world has changed twice since then. And so, so why is that? Why, do, why is it that brands often get shown the future by their agencies and their mm. suppliers and they will kind of dip their toe in the water? Mm. And then we'll, we'll develop it, you know. So, you know, for example, we, you know, we did stuff at, at We Are Social for mm. some brands, and you know, yeah, actually doing business transformation. But yet, um, they don't take it any further. Why? Why is that in your experience? Well, I think it's. I don't know. I think in the olden days, I think. And right, by the olden days, you I mean, mean sort of twenty fourteen, the, the early sort of twenty, <laughs> yeah, twentieth twenty first century, sort of two thousand and eight onwards. I guess. Yeah, I was probably. Um, Brands were still kind of get, getting their head around the idea of kind of almost uh, being this sort of always on, kind of um, you know, sort of the idea the idea of, of kind of you know sort of moving away from big you know kind of campaigns that started and finished, um, and you know alongside that how you delivered stuff in a more sort of iterative fashion. And I think I think you know we you know we got some of our accounts and clients kind of either you know into that or when they arrived with us they were already very much kind of focused on that. I think all of the successful businesses I work with now you know have that you know just down pat and you look at you know um, those that are doing that well and you you know there's a there's an, a new app release every week and there's a rhythm and you know there's there's feedback and there's data analysis and 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 then you know new features are developed or whatever and campaigns are tweaked and so on and so forth and I think those are they're the brands clearly are going to survive because they're they're completely kind of you know and I think <coughs> for whatever 
reason, and I, I can only kind of guess, you know, because I've obviously not involved with them anymore, but, you know, those guys, you know, basically kind of moved out of that when they were with us. We had this kind of great kind of release strategy and we were continually, you know, incrementally improving and we were iterating and so on. Whereas, you know, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a reason um, that's probably economic or political or, you know, um, some other thing. Um, that has meant that they're no longer. And I think, I think that, you know, for me, that's just, that's just the way you have to operate in today's world. Clearly. And are you helping UNICEF with that? Yeah, trying to, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, they, I was very clear with them about, you know, what, what I thought I could bring to the table. And, you know, that, that, that for me, you know, um, I would only be useful to them if they um, were really bought into the idea of trying to um, change and, and realise that sort of opportunity, and they are, you know, used the word already. They are kind of very, um, you know, focused on business transformation, digital transformation, whatever you want to kind of call it. Do they have an Apple Watch app? Uh, they don't have an Apple Watch app. Um, and if I, they did, what would it do? I'm putting you on the spot here. <sighs> Provide a utility. Um, so I think I think what I would like UNICEF to do is to help their supporters have a deeper um, and more direct kind of uh, relationship with the UNICEF causes. So for me, the watch would somehow bring you some form of kind of connection between, you know, the investment you're making of your time or your money um, and the outcome of that. Um, And that could be through, you know, you um, following a project or initiative or an individual in some way, which was, you know, um, safe, um, and uh, but gave you a real sense of kind of um, you know an emotional connection through through the device. Um, so that's what I would think. So the watch could do. The so watch app could do. Slightly uh, random question. Mm-hmm. Insofar as your role as vice chair at UNICEF, mm-hmm. what what have been your biggest work failures? up to this point that have set you up for success for the work you're doing with UNICEF? So my failures elsewhere before... Yes. Well, okay. Um, and we can go right back to your 20-odd yeah. 20, 20 years yeah. in... Uh, um, so I think um, one of the things... It's a very easy thing to say, but it's sometimes gets missed. And I think over the years I have had this sort of you know, basically kind of drummed into me. And that is that is being really clear about what success looks like. That sounds probably quite cheesy. And it's a horrendous question, isn't it? You it can, is. It's, a, it it's is. the perfect question to ask a client. It is. Could you tell me, yeah. Mr. or Mrs. Client, yeah. what does success... Yeah. And they just go, oh. And they, they groan or they... And I think, I think... But I think... So that's one thing that I think I have, you know, tried to... Um, be, help UNICEF get clearer about and we now have a great set of KPIs that enable us to to measure how we're doing can you in share those or is that um, top it's, secret it's not rocket science you know it's 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 the, the sort of thing where it, it, it's it's really about um, knowing where you're placing your bets as a marketeer you know in terms of whether you're thinking about that as kind of you know campaigns we've about that from a channel perspective um, and and you know that that's something that you know that they're now now able to measure um, in a much more effective way. Um, so whether that's you know looking at particular channels in you know in digital um, or whether it's weighing up the return on investment you know and comparing that between 
an activity that's going on in the real world, like events or corporate partnerships, and comparing that to, say, direct marketing and fundraising using um, direct marketing techniques. And so how, how are you bringing innovation into the role? So obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're yep. shining your object is, yep. uh, is Apple Watches, which you, we've, yep. we've discovered. Um, and, That's a great and, question. And I know that you, you know, you've, you've been at the forefront of digital, you know, heading up an agency. So as, as an innovation person or an innovation enthusiast, you like, look at the shiny new thing. Look mm-hmm. at this. This is cool. Like, mm-hmm. should we throw ourselves into chatbots or voice or mm-hmm. should we be doing a VR UNICEF experience? And you, and you guys may have done all of those things. So, how do you temper your obvious excitement around mm-hmm. marketing innovation with the, the day-to-day delivering of, of revenue, essentially? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think there's, and I think there's kind of, there's, so on one, on one very simple answer to that question is that, you know, I have basically um, asked um, colleagues in the, in the industry, in the world, to basically um, either invite the UNICEF team into their offices and talk about how they do things, or to come to UNICEF and, and talk about, you know, what they do in a very kind of Chatham House kind of style way. And, you know, we've had some incredible brands, some incredible organisations um, come in or invite us along. And I think, you know, nothing is better um, than, than hearing it from the horse's mouth, right? It's, you know, so when you're, when you're sitting and you're listening to someone from ASOS or from Spotify or from Facebook talking about, you know, um, how they you know, achieve this or that, um, how they approach things, Monzo, um, you know, real, real kind of disparate sort of uh, mix of organisations. And are um, these partnership conversations or just like, I know this interesting person, can you come and talk it's, to them? It's sort of, so what I did was I kind of said to the UNICEF team, I, you know, I said, look, who do you want to, who do you want to, who do you admire? Who do you respect? You know, like classic, again, you'll probably call me a classic consultant again, <laughs> which is fine. Um, and... Um, <laughs> I, you know, and, and I said, look, you know, who do you want to, yeah, who, who's, who do you think is doing great things? Who do you want to learn from? Who would you love to talk to? And they went, they wrote this long list down. And who else I, was on it apart from Spotify, ASOS, Facebook, and uh, Lad Bible? Um, um, so yeah, Mon- so who with Facebook? Monzo is interesting. Yeah, Monzo is a really interesting one. Yeah, you should have them on your podcast. They'd be really good. Maybe you should introduce um, I will them. We'll definitely get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. So, so they did so this anyway, kind of hero list. And, yeah, hero list. And, and then, then they, just got and then they basically, you know, JWT um, came in. Um, so the exact creative director of JWT, really awesome um, Argentinian create, exact creative director who's really shaking things up over there, um, came in and was, you know, um, and yeah, so, you know, just, you know, and the list, uh, and, um, the NHS, NHS Digital, you know. So... Uh, and, and you were able to... Go into the black book yeah, and to of sort of. You know, that's, that's, of course, that's what you know. Course, what you you do. Think you know no, but it's it's easy for me because right. you know, who's gonna say no to UNICEF at the end of the day? There's yeah. a there's a there's a kind of Sorry, a, I'm too busy. A story, yeah. you know, exactly yeah. right. You know, with UNICEF it's basically, you know, the answer is yes, what's the question? You know, it's like you know that is that is you know, who doesn't want to try and help them move the needle? And did they have a brief? They did you go to Lad Bible, UNICEF wanna talk about Content, Content. Or, exactly. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at, at the same time, you know, sort of, you know, talk about what you think your superpowers are or, you know, what it is that's that's driving your your success. You know, how are you overcoming these sorts of challenges? And, but I think it, you know, it's really, you know, been great. And that's, so that's an easy thing that everyone and anyone can do, right? And, and, and what was the output of those sessions? Like, oh. it, was it obviously lots of note-taking? But how... Because I, I find yeah. uh, in roles that I've been yeah. in that... 
there's there's kind of three steps to make it move in the needle mm-hmm. if you like uh, the first is inspiration mm-hmm. like oh wow, mm-hmm. wow that's so cool then there's um so inspiration is the first thing and then it's like consideration like mo- motivation to want to do something yeah and then action yeah inspiration in the innovation game piece of piss absolutely Just bring some bring some shiny videos or interesting people i was like oh my god yeah and then getting them to write it down or actually send an email or actually do a project is yeah. really difficult so how did you i'm sure it was super inspiring having the global ecd of um jwt or yeah. facebook or lad bible but what happened next how did you get them to go from inspiration to action so i think you're absolutely right and i think you know, there's a couple of things i'd say on that one one is you know really in a way you know the idea of coming on board at UNICEF, I needed to make sure that the the kind of the other the other members of the board and the executive were sort of committed to driving the the you know, driving the change, you know. And so that was kind of part of my interview process with them. And you know, I wanted to hear it from them that they were they were serious about this and they were committed. And it was coming from the top. And then I think you've got to obviously have it from you know from the opposite end. You've got to have it from the from the bottom up as well, right? But you know, at those inspiration sessions. You know, we made sure that we had members of the executive there who were, you know, being equally inspired, but perhaps had the license to then turn that into action. Um, the other thing that we did was we had members of the board there as well. So there's always a couple of members of the board at those meetings. So again, they're mandated to drive this stuff through. Um, and so the, the, you know, when the team sees how serious, you know, um, the organisation is, um, and and the organisation itself is you know trying to to sort of uh, you know find the things that they've been inspired by and then turn them into action. Then then that's you know moving you towards the stage three, I guess. And so for example, one of the first people we had in was Facebook, and um, they were talking about workplace. Which and is, who came in from Facebook? We had well, which job had, title? Yeah, uh, gosh, we had the guys in from workplace. Um, which is their sort of their yeah no yeah no, very well brilliant very, very brilliant well. all yeah yeah really, really, you know you know I've seen a lot of those sorts of things over the years and uh, been really impressed by that to be honest um, I wonder I often think how long did that actually take them at Facebook like, file replace just, just kind of like, file save as yeah um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah what should we call this because it was called Facebook at work wasn't it originally that's right yeah. okay. yes. So they came um, in. They came in, and basically, what one of the outputs of that was, we need we need workplace. So they actually, and then I, I just helped drive that through. Right, and now it's and, instituted. And now, it's, and now it's instituted globally, and, so, so, and, and it's on its way to being globally instituted. Right. Which is the other, even though that's outside of my remit, I've kind of spoken to the guys in Geneva and said, "Come on, guys, let's roll this out globally." And so I've kind of helped them then develop a pilot, kind of basically with a few other kind of national committees around the world and got the French involved and the, and the guys from Iceland involved and so that's now running and uh, that would be a nice legacy to leave right in terms yeah. of uh, building a more you know globally connected unison an internet that works as opposed Absolutely to some right. like teeth yeah. pulling totally yeah. and it's you know being able to kind of do live video to the whole you know and the engagement rates are through the roof you know they're insanely high anyways that's a very literal so Monzo again hopefully the Monzo guys don't mind me talking about it but they've agreed to basically um, take the guys through um, their A-B testing framework that they developed. Um, so they're, they're literally sort of training up the UNICEF team in for the platform know, for for how fa- how how Monzo does A-B testing, and then UNICEF hopefully will learn 
how Monzo do it, and we'll be able to sort of uh, implement that inside UNICEF. So it's a practical... Aren't you done for the year now? Can't you, can't you just go... Well, I've in, in, totally created this uh, high-engagement, cost-saving intranet. No, and, and that's now, like a day's work. Is that, okay, so that's, what's, so what's that, your... That, gives, that makes me happy for a day. Okay, good. And then it resets, like, every morning. And, and I go, okay. Groundhog day. Totally. So what's... Justin, what does success look like at UNICEF? A UNICEF. <laughs> like in a year's it's, time. In a year's time. I'd probably have to be a bit more long-term about it. I'd, I'd, okay, in a year's on. time. Oh, cracks. But I well, think, no, go, go on. on. In a time frame okay, that in, you feel comfortable frame, talking yeah, about. Yeah, So, I mean, basically, so UNICEF this year is quite an interesting year for them because this is the year that they've raised the most amount of money ever in their 70-year history. So that's, that's pretty good. And secondly, this is also the first year where they've ever raised uh, more money from individuals and from companies than from governments. So that's for me a you know a kind of a real moment in their in their history. And they've they've been really ambitious and they want to raise another billion pound sorry billion dollars a year by 2021. So if I can help UNICEF raise another billion dollars a year on top of the 1.8 billion they already raise, um, that's I guess one way of measuring it. And the other way of measuring it is is obviously to make sure that every child is happy and safe. And that is probably not going to be in my lifetime and it will probably never be achieved by something that you can kind of aspire to do you know as a you know as a as a goal um and you damn well try as hard as you can to get there so you know like there are some seriously you know impressive stats around the number of children that are now out of poverty you know the re- reduction in the in the rate of child mortality that have that you know that, has, that that are really impressive and really positive but there is still a very very long way to go and which element of UNICEF's work is most important to you emotionally? Um, I mean, I think it's I think it's it's probably um, you know ultimately it's you know there's still a kind of a an awfully binary life or death thing that goes on. So the idea the idea of um, and you know reducing the number of um, reducing the rate of child mortality and then I probably would say the other thing that really excites me and um, is is around um, the commitment to ensure that every child gets an education as well and I think about how lucky I was to have an education and, and what I've but you know how I've benefited from that and and you know it's given me the resources uh, to try to make a life for myself and my family and I want to give that gift to the millions and millions of children around the world that don't have that right so you know and that's going to be achieved at various levels you know from you know school in a box packages which arrive into villages to training up another 68.8 million teachers by the year 2030 you know um so there's all sorts of ways of of looking at it convincing governments to spend more of their international aid on education because only two percent of international aid is spent on it at the moment which is kind of mad um, so yeah, I'd probably say those those two things. So, Facebook talk a lot about the next billion people mm-hmm. that come online. And when we had um, Simon Kemp, mm-hmm. um, it's sat in the seat that you're sitting in a little while ago. Honoured. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, he he talks a, a lot about the next billion people online. We had a, a little bit of an argument about this, but I think he won in fairness. But his thing is around. Mm-hmm. The, the next billion people online will be using a voice-driven internet. 
obviously where there's illiteracy, but if you've got a smartphone that can handle the bandwidth and you can just talk to it, mm-hmm. um, it you put those two things together. And obviously, in the same way that um, uh, the East didn't use, well, they didn't kind of graduate or, or get on the internet using a laptop, they just kind of went straight mm-hmm. to mobile. Like Simon's view, I think it's probably right, is that the next billion people on the internet will go straight to voice. And so I'll put you on the spot here a bit, but how do you think UNICEF are going to take advantage of that? Or is that going to be a nightmare for them? You mean using voice or just generally? Yeah, well, the voice voice based internet. I mean, if you've got most charities, in my experience, Mm -hmm. um, are tend to be not the most technologically Mm -hmm. advanced or Mm -hmm. well funded. I mean, so UNICEF might be slightly different in both of those categories but having a, a marketer in at a massive global company is still going to struggle with how to use voice you know, because the skill sets we've developed in the last 20 years are a kind of very much a GUI digital mouse touchscreen interface whereas voice is completely different so how what kind of challenges is that going to present to to you or opportunities mm-hmm. to UNICEF well I think you know there's lots of work to be done at UNICEF. I think I think one of the things that generally should apply to all brands when they think about this sort of stuff is you know, they need to kind of have some sort of like some rules of engagement around you know how they approach um, you know innovation slash disruptive technologies. And UNICEF has developed you know some some really sound principles, which are not rocket science, but they're pretty sound around how they go about thinking about you know things like voice and you know um, those you know. One principle is that they don't develop these products or services or responses to this sort of stuff, you know, in East London. They develop them, you know, locally, you know, in Central Africa. Right. Right. You know, that's a very obvious thing to do. It's like, you know, who who are we to say how we develop the product or service for the Ivory Coast? Um, And I think that's, you know, or in a disaster, you know, situation. So... I think that's so. I think having those sorts of principles is a really good sort of way of approaching it, um, and it's not probably going to be me that determines you know how we develop voice, um, but it'll be people in the ground, in the field, you know, living it, breathing it. I think the other thing, going back to your point earlier around partnerships, is you know you partner, right? You you work out who 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 are the people who are who basically whose whose mission or or goals you know are aligned to yours or or values you know from a brand perspective are aligned to yours and then you work with those guys you know who are potentially experts in that field and UNICEF's doing some really pioneering stuff with arm holdings at the moment the chip chip manufacturers right. they make they make the chips and iPhones they, they do so indeed yeah. yeah and um the UK arm company yeah yeah Sorry, just me. Like, there we go. Very they staccato, are. terrible interviewing techniques. Uh, apologies. So, yes. Yeah, so, tell me about are they, um, how are they partnering with? So they guys? are. They're working with them um, to um, develop um, next gen um, Internet of Things uh, and wearable um, uh, devices uh, in the field, um, and Arm are using um, that as a way of um, basically running a research and development program. In market or in emerging markets, so then and what's work- a brief for that? What are they trying to solve? So imagine um, having um, say a hundred thousand people in a refugee camp who've got no form of identification um, and therefore um, are you know basically um, you know, um, relying on you know, um, humanitarian aid to survive, um, and um, they have. Um, 
issues you know with illness and um and a wearable device uh, could act as uh, a way of you carrying your identity or your medical record or give you um, some form of kind of internal currency that you could be using to pay for goods and services. Um, uh, and obviously for ARM, you know, having 100,000 people in that sort of situation is a brilliant testbed for what you know um, consumers in the developed and developing world may want from wearable devices. So if we think about the watch and what that will look like and whether it's voice activated in 2025 or it's invisible by 2027, that's all going to come from those sorts of, you know, kind of scenarios where you've got masses of people who are in, you know, kind of extreme and, and highly dense kind of, um, kind of, uh, you know, locations or environments I guess. and how has that come around is that is that one of your that's a lunch and learns that you've basically said, hey guys you want to come in and that's i think that's i think for me that's kind of a, a good example of the way that that brands you know be they non-profits or profits um are going to start to kind of work um more closely you know together um and that will have you know clearly marketing kind of uh, benefits and in a way start to paint a bit of a picture around what marketing whatever the next generation of marketing we want to call it whether that's 4.05 the fourth marketing revolution whatever it is um and i think that that kind of is is something that is sort of you know um beginning to take shape where brands are now collaborating to perhaps um kind of develop products and services which are sort of mutually beneficial um the work that UNICEF has done with uh, Unilever is, is sort of pioneering in that way very physical at the moment I'm really keen to sort of see how we move it into being more of a digital type product so, service but and for someone who hasn't yeah. seen any of that can you just talk yeah, there's a, so like so we all know about Domestos right it's in a bottle um, and inside that bottle um, is mainly water 90 um, something percent of what's in that bottle is water and those bottles are heavy when they're full of water and they're quite difficult to distribute and obviously heavier item is, more costly it is to, to distribute. But um, what if you basically just uh, provided Domestos in powdered form and then provided buckets that enable people to basically source water locally and then mix up the powder to create um, disinfectant um, uh, to tr- to ensure that, um, that um, you know, there was proper sanitation in in various parts of the world, and that's exactly what UNICEF and Unilever have done. So, so Unilever now and Domestos now have a product, a new product that is born out of that type of situation, where it's uh, Domestos in powdered form. And so, how did that NPD come around? Was was it a case of the, like Domestos said, "Well, look, we could probably do this without water," or was it like uh, it, I'm just? I mean, it's a, that's such a brilliant story, and one of those things in the in the marketing. Yep. press that just leap off the page but yep. i always think you know how hard it is to get innovation away yeah but like how did that work how did that how did the cogs turn to make that a reality i i i can i can only tell you the story i can't tell you the the background behind the story but i can tell you about the way that it kind of works now which is you know you basically you have you know you're really clear and explicit about kind of what your causes are what, what problems you're trying to solve right be that either side the brand you know the and, and or the organization and you basically go where does where do these things cross over where are we aligned where is there you know where is there overlap and then you basically kind of you know work together 
to solve those problems by effectively trying to harness your collective strengths and assets, right? And I think that's, and I've see, I see that happening in UNICEF where that type of approach, you know, to partnership is what's, you know, driving that sort of innovation. And, you know, here we're talking about, you know, the fact that poor sanitation is the biggest killer of children under five, right? That's not a thing that you can kind of shy away from. And you're, you know, you have many, many tens of thousands of people who are very driven about solving that. And that's a pretty interesting thing to bring to the table when you have a conversation with Unilever um, about, you know, how they can partner with, together to, to, to solve something and, you know, develop a new product. So, yeah, I think that's kind of how it happens. So is there anything that you are working on now, a partnership or otherwise, that listeners of this podcast could help you with? Is there a problem that you're trying to solve for UNICEF where someone listening to this could go, ah, do you know what? I know just the person. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's, there, there, are, there are many. I mean, I think, I think I've talked about education briefly already. So I think anything, anything to, to do with um, helping ensure that every child in the world gets an education. Um, I think that um, for me... You know, particularly your listeners. Um, I'm I'm kind of interested in the moment around security and um, safety online. You know, I think that's a really big thing, and I don't think it's with great respect to all of the different organisations involved at the moment. You know, being tackled at kind of a global level, and I think I think I think that's the way that you have to solve these sorts of things, um, rather than trying to sort of tackle them at a kind of a local level. And I you know I sort of you know would would look to the, the you know. Um, the brands that that are kind of able to kind of operate at scale, you know, to help solve that problem. Um, I think that, um, that 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 clearly, you know, what what UNICEF is brilliant at is delivering, you know, humanitarian development aid. Um, if there's any ways that people listening can can come up with ways that they think they could, that can be delivered in a more efficient and effective way, then great. So it's just you know looking at that whole end to end kind of you know how do you do it. And obviously, you know, raising money. How do you how do you raise money? How do you raise money, more money, um, and raise that money more efficiently? Um, and I guess the last thing probably would be advocacy and helping UNICEF tell the story about what it does better and getting people more um, engaged in that. And I don't think they necessarily do that in the best way they can yet. I think there's still quite a lot of work to be done there in terms of how UNICEF talks about itself. It's still quite... Because it's a large organisation, it needs to learn how to be a bit more agile, a bit more free and, and and open in the way it talks about itself and what it does and the impact it has. And this, this is me thinking very optimistically about this, that someone sat there going, I've got just the thing. Like, how do they do that? Would they, did they contact you? Is yep. there a, like ideas yeah. at UNICEF.com? Like there's loads like, there's loads of ins and and they you know you have the UNICEF Innovation Fund in New York, um, which actually is investing in startups. Um, you've got you know you've got the UNICEF. Tell me about that. Tell me about the innovation. Yeah, funds. so that's um, so they've raised they've raised they've raised, um, they've raised just over ten million dollars, and they're basically the, so again, they go out the private individuals to raise. Yeah, they've they've gone so to how people set up startups to that, help solve the problems you mentioned. That's it. Yeah, yeah. and you can go on the UNICEF Innovation website and see all of the different projects that they're backing. Again, there's a sort of, you know, they're not investing in West Western based um, startups. They're they're investing in startups that are in in kind of you know 
the the um, non-UNICEF um, national committee offices. So, in you know, in the field, basically, um, startups is what they're investing in. So, you know, across Africa, across parts of Asia, um, parts do you know of what South kind America. Of things? Yeah, things like things like um, you know, things to do with kind of Internet of Things, things about um, using drones to um, deliver blood test results uh, more quickly in remote areas because the faster you can find out whether a child has HIV or not, the faster you can um, save their life and, um, um, you know, um, um, telecommunications, um, you know, providing free telecommunications because in a sense if you put in the infrastructure for telecommunications you know the, the cost is is almost zero once you put the infrastructure in so you know um building out you know kind of connectivity data connectivity so there's, there's a whole raft of different sort of um projects initiatives going on um that they've invested in so far um so we've got about 10 minutes or so left okay. um before your monstrous commute back home um so just to kind of reframe this slightly in terms of your career so far mm-hmm. not that you call it a career what has been your best investment of time energy or money what's the what is the thing that's really paid off um i think you know you always there's probably various things i think the one that probably comes to mind at the moment is a good while back um, I went back to school. Um, someone told me about a, uh, a, a a course that was being run at the London Business School, which is which is all about how to run a creative business. And, and this is at which point in your? Oh gosh, probably two thousand and six, maybe. So pre like two thousand seven. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. definitely. And you were running a creative business. Yeah, I was running a creative and business. You did a course. I did how to run a creative business run a creative. at London Business School. And yeah, what, yeah. Like, that's a. For a leader of a business, yeah, there's quite a lot of ego there. You had to get around. Yeah. Not that I think you're an egocentric person, not at all. But you, you know, I would yeah. have thought by the time Fortune Cookie was the size it was, yeah. you should be giving that course. Yeah. So what what did you go through to I think, come to that realization? I don't. I think you know, most of the time, I think I'm. I try. I think I've learned most of the time. I, I hopefully I come across as relatively humble. I don't. I don't believe in. I I don't I, I I try hard not to think about ego and and I'm I don't talk about myself unless someone asks me about myself and I'll talk to anybody and whatever and so I've never I've never thought of myself as being you know beyond learning and enjoying a conversation and learning from every conversation I ever have and never been beyond asking for help or advice and I think that's you know um, something that's just now part of my nature and so I, d- I never you know, yeah there was probably a little bit of kind of just going okay well I'm gonna you know throw myself out there and you know so what I you know I've got loads to learn I don't know what I don't know and I did I did kind of get you know quite into this idea of the fact that I wanted to kind of unlock the unknown unknowns and part of my mission is to kind of get to a point where I kind of get to, you know get hopefully to the answer at some point where I the known knowns are are, are what I do know and so um, what did you so yeah so that was the the biggest and best investment that you've made in yeah in your time and and your money um, yeah so what did you get from that what did you learn that changed everything I mean lots of things um I mean practically 
Um, I, there was some sort of there was some discipline and rigor around having to sort of write you know a business plan <laughs> um, that was five years, um, not just an annual budget, um, and that was really hard. It was like extracting hen's teeth and harder because the business was already running. It wasn't like oh we're going to start this business you know from yeah. scratch sort of thing, um, and um, having people critique you and and you know kick the tires on you and what you're trying to do you know was really valuable um and listening to their advice and who was who were you getting advice from uh it was one of the the professors from the business school um and then a whole series of um experts from the world of creative business who would come in and basically do it's like a it's like a mini mba i suppose or right. a mini creative mba it was great, and basically we wrote that first business plan, and we, you know, we basically, you know, we probably hit year five after about year two and a half, so we then had to rewrite it um, for the next five years, and then we did that again, and it was just, you know, um, a simple exercise of when you know where you're going. So this is interesting. In all of our conversations we've had about my business that yes. we're not going to go into, um, you've never mentioned writing a business plan. Well, not yeah. even hinted at it. Why? So do you think it's a it's different? Something that startups don't have to do, or is it something well, that only more do, established businesses? I do think. Do? I think. I think. I think the word business plan can mean many different things to different people. And I, for me, I think it's. I think you know. You you and I know the things that are what we have to do and what we have to hit like you know we've tried to sort of identify what those things are we haven't written a long-winded document that describes in immense detail how you're going to do that because in a sense in a way it's better for you at the moment in my view to um focus on hitting those and it doesn't really matter at the moment you've got to work out how the best way is of you achieving those things so does it do you go under it over it through it um do you smash it down you know you you're working that out but you know where you need to be so that's the most important thing for you. So you know where your business plan right now is probably three things. And we hit, we hit one weekend. of those targets last week. We did indeed. We're talking in very broad terms here about something that no one knows anyone about. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to yank it back. Um, because Sorry. I'm, no, no, not at all. I'm just thinking about our, our, kind of, our poor listener. Um, all right, so listener, ta- tactical yeah. thing. <laughs> um, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused how do you get back on track that's a great question i would probably say that um i um i envision i try to envision the outcome or goal of the thing i'm nervous or unfocused about um to bring myself to get myself centered so what am i what am i stressed or frustrated about what am i yeah, unfocused about and I try to it, what, what is I, again it's you know I'm afraid it's the whole what's the end game what's the output what's the goal where do I want to be and then I kind of then I then sort of then work backwards from how to get there um, and that gives me my focus is that See, I, no that's that's a very just in answer it's like <laughs> probably problem solve your way out of problem solving I'm that sorry is, yeah that, I, is that, don't apologise okay I think, no, the, yeah. so it's, it's a shiny new object podcast there's no apologies to be made um, fourth one so, so let's say there is 
someone listening to this podcast who's just left university mm-hmm. and they would like a career in marketing, advertising, mm-hmm. or maybe even the charity sector, mm-hmm. um, what advice would you give to that person as long as they were smart and driven and mm-hmm. wanted to achieve something? Yeah, I'd do, I'd do my homework. Um, and uh, I mean that at every level, I guess. Um, I think um, the best thing you can do is... Um, Base, do your research and um, on the thing that you're interested in, curious about, and then um, ideally um, talk to you know as many people who are in that world as you can um, and get them to um, be convinced to let you try and help them, work with them, give you a project and do it and learn by doing um, and um, you will decide whether it is actually the thing that you love and you want to do more of it and that you're good at it or you'll realise that it's not the thing that you love and that's a really good thing too because it's one less thing that you have to, yeah. you know... Find that out quick. Find out quick. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we should wrap up here. Um, we've talked about a lot of things and you've, you've definitely pulled this conversation in, in lots of different directions most people it's, it follows the formula but we've jumped out all over the place I, mean, I think the things that really stuck out for me was um, you're saying that you you do stuff you believe in you know, and that can be at a small technical level or a, a huge global level and that was really interesting to hear um, and thanks for going into so much detail about UNICEF and you know the things that you're emotional about and shown us but kind of behind the curtain for some of the partnerships and how you leverage your your network to inspire them to actually bring about change which is fantastic and i think that yeah um, partnerships is something that i'd not really thought about and it's it's great to see making that happen slightly less excited about your view of smartwatches but you know we can agree or disagree and i love what you said at the end there about um you know doing your homework at all levels and i think that's it's it's easy when you get to a certain age or a certain level of proficiency um, that you take some of that stuff for granted. And it was really inspiring to hear that you actually went and did a course about being a creative leader while being a creative leader. And I think we can all learn from that. So just to finish off, if someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, what is the best place to get hold of Justin Cook? Um, I would probably use LinkedIn, I'm afraid. Um, uh, but yeah, connect to me on LinkedIn, send me a message on LinkedIn and um, that's a very good way. And that's where we're going to leave it. All Thank right. you so much, man. Brilliant. Pleasure. Thank you for having me on.